Hello everyone, my name is Jackson Fuller and this is the second episode of the Road to Rome podcast and I'm joined back today this beautiful Monday morning by my co-host and friend Connor Keenan. Connor, how are you doing today? I'm great, mate. How are you? Doing really well. Um, It's time to recap the Sony Open, kind of our first podcast uh, with an immediate recap from a golf tournament. Uh, Fun times. I know we both spent the weekend splitting time watching this and also watching the NFL. Congratulations to your San Francisco 49ers, Connor. Thank you very much, Jackson. Uh, Commiserations to the Dolphins. They put up a hell of a fight. They did. They were, uh, you know, we won't turn this into an NFL pod, but <laughs> I'm pleasantly proud and surprised. Positive big, right? Yeah, there were plenty of positives. Uh, I do think, you know, if Tua was there, we would have won. So I can go into the offseason saying that until July. When. That's what that's what sports fans love. Do you know those questions that are completely irrelevant and you'll never find out? Yeah. Like the if Tua was available. You just like, they give you a bit of hope. The hypotheticals, because it's the hope that kills you. And uh, I'm already ready for for training camp in July and uh, the Dolphins' eventual run to the Super Bowl next year. But enough about that. Let's get into the uh, Sony uh, uh, Invitational Tournament uh, recap, where Siwoo Kim uh, was the victor in the end with a come-from-behind victory. Uh, He finished 18 under par, uh, you know, he entered. He shot a 64 on Saturday, and then a six under on Sunday to win. It tied the uh, lowest final round uh, throughout the the leaderboard. Connor, what do you kind of make of of Siwoo Kim? Not only this weekend, uh, do we take him seriously enough throughout his entire career? You know, it feels like he's been around forever. This is his his fourth victory. Uh, what were kind of your lasting impressions from the Sony Open, and now as we kind of take a general step back at Siwoo's career? Yeah, look, it was always going to be tough in a, in a weekend in which NFL is dominating. I touched on it last week that these tournaments for the next few weeks are going to be going head-to-head with the NFL playoffs. And is there any sport that can <laughs> compete in the North American market when the NFL playoffs are on? Um, but what, what stood out to me is that, let's be honest, it's not a great leaderboard. Uh, you sort of flick, flick down it. Obviously, it's a... It, we, we have a Ryder Cup theme podcast here and not a lot of the names on it are going to be going to be in Italy in September. But what I liked about Siwoo winning shows why we're doing a podcast in relation to these team events, because I have so much more context for Siwoo after his President's Cup appearances um, to see him shushing the crowd uh, back in September um, in North Carolina. Uh, was on the losing team, unfortunately, but that's when so much character is built for these players in these in in the team events, and then when it translates to PGA Tour, you're like, oh yeah, there's Siwoo. He was great at the Presidents Cup, so it's good to see him win. He has he has a lot of potential. I like watching him play. That second shot out of the bunker on 18 was was clutch. Um, it's one of those shots you just got to get perfect contact, and that's what he did. Remind me a little bit. Matt Patrick of the US Open. Obviously, yeah. uh, nowhere near as difficult, but getting a long iron out of out of a fairway bunker like that with the tournament on the line uh, takes some stones. This day. Yeah, I think he was 230 yards away from the hole with that bunker shot, and it was a, a par five his second. So he and he gave himself an eagle putt, which uh, in the context of tournaments on the line, if you get a birdie, you put the pressure on your opponent, who was uh, Hayden Buckley on this Sunday. 
got a feel for Hayden Buckley. I thought he played pretty well. He uh, gave himself some chances to win. There was twice on the back nine, even after um, Siwoo made birdie on 12 to, to tie. There were two instances on the back nine where Buckley grabbed a one-shot lead, and he just couldn't hold on. But, you know, we've gone, I think, five, ten minutes now and haven't talked about the chip-in. Uh, then that's That was a $700,000 chip-in the PGA Tour announced because uh, that probably ended up being the difference between Siwoo finishing second and first. Uh, not a great iron shot into that par three, but he more than made up for it. What would you make of uh, his celebration? Did you like the, the fist pump and then the oh, two arms it. raised? Oh, I loved it. In uh, this day and age in the PGA Tour when there's so many – vanilla players and there was not much emotion that was uh, a little bit of presence cup siwoo coming out there for the chip in um i thought it was a i think it's a typical down the stretch adrenaline mm. which is why he went what five yards over the green i think that was the perfect club if he hits that shot on saturday i think it's within 12 feet mm-hmm. uh and i think it's just that the adrenaline as we said on the sunday uh taking a little long but it, it was sitting perfectly when the ball rolled up there and sat in that first cut, uh, it was a nice lie. You were automatically thinking chipping. Um, potentially would have liked to see where the ball would have went if it didn't hit the hole. Mm-hmm. I think it would have gone to <laughs> to to an awkward length, maybe four or six feet, but it didn't. It went almost in the in the middle of the cup. So it was again just showing that he's been there, done it. This is his fourth win. Um, some of those wins, including this one, maybe not the highest, but take nothing away from the performance yeah and you mentioned where does that ball go if it doesn't hit the hole that's really you know it's not a difficult chip if you're practicing on a Wednesday before the tournament but in the context of where he was and what was at stake it's an easy chip that you could if you really are going for the hole out to send it six seven feet past and you're putting for you know par to not only to just keep your tournament hopes alive. If he bogeys that hole, I think Buckley then gets to play the 18th completely differently than he did. Siwoo probably has to be more aggressive on the 18th. So, um, you know, it, it completely flipped the momentum. And, you know, we mentioned Buckley two times grabbing the lead. There were a couple moments, the chip in, and then even the the birdie on 12, which I think you told me before we started recording, uh, once that happened, or even just like even when Siwoo hit it to five five feet on that twelfth hole, the par three, it just felt like he was going to go and win this tournament based off who he was competing with, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just the name. You look you look at the leaderboard, the top five. We've Ben Taylor of England, who I'm not going to lie, I'd never heard of until this weekend. <laughs> He's the most English looking man I've ever seen. Uh, David Litsky, Andrew Putnam, Chris Kirk, Hayden Butley. Uh, rounding out the top five, um, not exactly stalwarts of the your, or the PGA Tour, um, but of course in these events, name power only gets you so far. You know what I mean? On on the day, anyone can win it. Um, but you, when when that pot went in on twelve, it just didn't seem like Siwoo was going to make a mistake. It was more of could Buckley take the tournament off him rather than waiting for Kim to make mistake and uh, I'm not going to lie the 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 tee shot on 18 gave me the jitters how high he teed the ball up with a three wood and so close to the tee marker Um, I'm not sure really what he was trying to do I think like a sort of high draw high hook around the corner taking over the trees Um, he was lucky he got a good lie in the bunker but yeah um, just one of those golf courses where the guy's got to go get it rather than the 
course, take shots off. As soon as you see him tee it up where he did, it's like, okay, he's clearly going for the draw, but gosh, man, you could really easily overcook this draw, and that's kind of exactly what he did into the bunker. But I think he knew, you know, that that bunker wasn't the worst place to be in, uh, and he really, you know, the the big point of 18 was don't be short right, especially with that pin uh, when you when you approach the green. And that's exactly what happened to Buckley. I thought he had a chance of getting up and down once the ball hit his club on 18 for that chip, but it landed on the green and, and took off. And you're like, oh, that, that's exactly why you don't want to be short right because you put yourself in a position where you have to hit the absolute perfect golf shot or else you're going to have a pretty, pretty long comebacker. Uh, I do want to talk – I have a couple more things to talk about Siwoo, but I think you you mentioned this tournament and the leaderboard, and I think we just have to talk about the designated and non-designated events uh, with the new PGA Tour schedule. This is obviously a non-designated event, and uh, I think this is what we're going to get in a lot of these types of uh, tournaments with this leaderboard, which is not the worst thing in the world. I mean, I love watching golf. It was fun to kind of see these two guys battle uh, going down the stretch where Siwoo's kind of trying to uh, affirm his, uh, you know, the growth that he may be made since the President's Cup and capture that fourth victory, and Buckley's going for his first one. But it's not necessarily for the casual viewer. Is that all right, Connor? You know, how do you feel, you know, after one, you know, we're now through just one of these very obvious undesignated events without a great field. You know, what was it like kind of watching this tournament? Uh, yeah, or we, we talk about the casual golf fan. Um not that it wasn't entertaining on the back nine on Sunday, but it doesn't doesn't get you out of your seat. Be like, oh, it's Friday afternoon, gotta go watch the Sony Hawaii Open. No, um, the field was poor, but if that's what it takes to get the big guys playing together more often in the elevated tournaments, as they've pledged with the with the new season, then then I'm all for it. I don't mind these tournaments that are truly for the golf nerds, the golf nuts the guys who are on the verge of losing their car, grinding to try and get top 10s. Like, what is Aaron Badley doing in the top 10? <laughs> Forgot that guy existed. Like, when I when I saw him in the back nine, I was I was loving it just to see these guys out here grinding. Um, but at the same time, I'm glad that a guy like Siwoo can win this tournament. Because I, I, he, he can be not a superstar, but certainly a star. He should be uh, part of the President's team, uh, President's Cup team, rather, going forward for the for the next decade, at least he has the talent to do that. Um, and I think, yeah, when we're talking about the elevated events, not elevated events, this is one of those weeks where it's a bit of a tough watch. But I think in the long term, I think it's it's probably for the best. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, kudos kudos to Siwoo because if you're going to play in these tournaments with the maybe the lesser fields, there are opportunities for you to go win, make some money, uh, you know, build up that PGA Tour card and, you know, keep cementing your status on the tour. Not that Siwoo really, I don't think he's got to be too nervous, but. And, and one one last thing on, on this event in particular, obviously it's non-elevated, not a great field. I really enjoy the golf course. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a Hawaii thing, but that 18th hole is, is, is great. Like I'd rather watch it there than TPC Craig Ranch or something, you know, yeah. the, these lush green generic golf courses in in middle America. Uh give me a give me a course with a bit of with a bit of bite to it, a bit of firmness. Um and obviously where the ball can actually roll out 
quite soft greens this week, but I enjoyed that test a lot more than their generic uh, lush green PGA Tour courses. Yeah, and I think that's it's a it's a course where there's a lot of options. Um, the you know the twelfth hole, for example, the uh, Siwoo and Buckley both made birdie, and there was about a sixty yard difference in their approach shot um, coming into the green. So you have options. A lot of people were you know not hitting driver off the tee. It's it's just fun to see all the different ways you can get the ball in the hole at this golf course. Uh, you might have spoiled this question if you've looked at the notes deeply, Connor. Would you do you know how old Siwoo Kim is? Would you care to take a guess? Of, I mean, it feels like this guy's been here forever. Maybe I'm tipping my hand with that hint, but how old do you think Siwoo Kim is? Got to be sort of between 25 and 30, isn't it? Yeah, 27, which I, I mean, just watching him win yesterday, I was like, oh, he's probably in his early 30s, but the guy's been around a while. He won really, really young uh, with the, you know, the Players' Championship, I think was in, in 2017. And uh, he's just been around, and he's, like you mentioned with the President's Cup, he's going to be a uh, a leader for that team, international team moving forward, especially with, you know, Tom Kim, Sung J M. It seems like there's a lot more – you know, there's more talented Korean golfers coming on the horizon. The men's scene is starting to maybe not match, but catch up to the women's scene in terms of South Korean golf. And that's a that's a great thing. And Siwoo has an opportunity to be like a, a Hideki and, you know, uh, maybe what an Adam Scott has been for the past, you know, 10 years or so and, and be a, a real leader for that team. So it'll be uh, really fun, I think, to, to follow his career. Uh, before we leave this, I just I got to mention his outfit on Sunday. Uh, I hated it. I mean, <laughs> the PGA Tour sponsorship, you'd think they'd let him maybe look like a more old school golfer, but goodness gracious, I couldn't even read what was on the shirt from time to time. It made the celebration look a little corny to me. And I like Siwoo Kim and I like guys showing emotion, but just for whatever reason, that, that shirt ruined it for me. Did you uh, have any hot takes on Siwoo's outfit? This just sounds like jealousy. <laughs> I think he'd rock that PGA Tour uh, polo. He was wearing PGA Tour trousers as well, apparently. Sources tell me. Um, I, I mean, from a distance, I didn't really have a problem with it until it like zoomed in. I was like, oh God, it does say PGA Tour just all over. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot worse. Wait until the Masters rolls around and Nike will hand out something stupid to Tony Fina and, and company. Um, and it beats holders trousers i guess <laughs> for the last two decades um i don't have too much problem with it all right well well i'm i guess i'm just excited to see what more the the pga tour has for uh siwoo kim's uh wardrobe the rest of the way any guys on this leaderboard that you can see sort of there's not many europeans on it so looking towards the the american side of the Ryder cup any any names Matt Kuchar? No. Matt uh, <laughs> Kuchar with a sneaky top 10. Yeah. A missed opportunity for him with this week leaderboard. You know, uh, Mav McNeely, I really like. It just it feels like last year when I was in a, a deep, dark DraftKings uh, abyss, <laughs> I was losing some money, uh, hoping Mav McNeely would sneak in top 20s and top 30s. But he played pretty well. I could see him, you know, I don't think he'll ever make the team, but he could, you know, scratch and claw. I think the one guy for me that I'm excited to see the rest of his season is Taylor Montgomery, uh, T12 this weekend, uh, 12 under. He shot two under on Sunday. Not bad, but there was a moment there on the back nine, I think, where he was one or two behind, and uh, he just didn't make a run. Uh, but I 
loved his absolute swag with every bunker shot. It's it, I don't know what it is. It seems kind of flippy where like it doesn't look like great, but it's he feels very confident as soon as the ball uh, leaves the bunker. So uh, it just there's a lot of swag with that. Um, otherwise, no, I think we got we should talk about Jordan Spieth. He's probably the one real rider cupper in this field and can i can i interject before <laughs> sure uh, and i mentioned this guy's name last week still no love for jj spawn <laughs> no i'm just i'm gonna just continue to ignore him until i absolutely <laughs> until you have, have to, to address it, it. Yeah, until i have to let's monitor it. the situation over <laughs> the coming months uh, check this space but not me check connor's space for uh jj spawn <laughs> talk uh, i might have to endorse this guy after a while i'll i'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye over the next two weeks but if I like what I see so far. I, I'm I'm not ruling them out for that sort of to be in the contention for that last spot. Two, I mean, hey, two straight strong weeks. Uh, we'll see when the fields get tougher and deeper what he can do. But like we discussed last week, there is going to be an opening for that last U.S. Ryder Cup spot. Um, I think there are some obvious names out there, but um, and Spawn's not one of them. But you never know. Uh, I don't think most of us. I don't think a lot of casual viewers would have said. Max Homa would have gotten on the international or on the the President's Cup USA team last year before the season started, and uh, he made quite a run for that. So, but yeah, uh, like I said, Spieth probably the lone cemented Ryder Cupper in this field uh, became the first person in Sony Open history to be the round one leader and then miss the cut. Connor Keenan, I'm gonna expo- expose you as a noted Jordan Spieth hater. Uh, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Not a hater, uh, just uh, maybe not as big a fan as uh, me and some other uh, American Spieth lovers are uh, concerned at all about about Jordan Spieth. Or this is just kind of the Spieth experience, right? It is, it can yeah. Be a roller coaster. Yeah, um, I'm not concerned because I don't support the American thing. It's more <laughs> of uh, I'm going to put that question on you. Are you concerned? No, I'm not. It's just this is this is what we get from him. He's gonna do some amazing things and do some really poor things you just hope that the really poor things he can he can make up for it and um, i mean how can you be concerned about a, a miscut in january right uh let's go to the the hero cup real quick i know neither of us admittedly watched too much of this but i sort of flicked between we, it on you know that. we kept we paid attention to it. we really screwed up last week not even mentioning it um which our apologies there but you know You've said to me before that the U.S. having the President's Cup you think is a not a huge advantage, but it's a boost for sure. Just that added experience of playing in a team tournament every year. Seems like Europe's found a creative way to kind of give their guys a little bit of experience as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't think it's going to be as beneficial as the President's Cup is because it's continental Europe versus the U.K. and Ireland. So it's like splitting the teams up, but at least you can have a rough preview of potential teams that you're going to put together um saw that Seamus Parr and uh Shane Larry played together they could by Victor Perez and we the Odyssey but these are these are matchups in which European captain Luke Donald can look at it we know how much more these teams are looking at film and numbers and it's it's not just a oh I think he would play well against this guy it's oh would he play well against this guy let's look at the numbers and the tape and see if it's an actual good match um so i at this sort of event can only help the european team going forward um of course not all the big guys played it i'm looking at the the 
yeah, the teams here. And there's sorry to sorry to the people I'm about to name, but Calm Shinkwin, <laughs> uh, Ewan Ferguson, Richard Mansell, uh, Antoine Rosner. I would say those guys don't really have a. Well, I don't want to say that, but it's a real outside shot. But yeah. then there are guys that almost certainly will be on the team. You have the Shane Lowry's, the Tommy Fleetwoods, the Tyrrell Hattons, uh, Robert McIntyre's in there. He's got a great shot. Um, and Molinari, I think. I mean, we gotta we gotta get to him, right? Because I think last week you said out of kind of those guys that I listed as on the bubble or you know outside looking in you were hoping he's the guy that's going to step up this year and get back into the Ryder Cup team and he played well this week uh, he beat Shane Lowry in the uh, singles uh, I think you know it's a great sign for team Europe for him to kind of put that performance on a team stage and get a little bit momentum as we head into the the rest of the 2023 calendar year I think that's the biggest positive to take for Luke Donald uh, looking forward to September to re-emphasize what I said last week, the middle to late stages of the like the back of the roster for Europe is going to be significantly weaker. So we need the guys like Molnari to bring good form, but also the experience to to replace the the traders that went off to <laughs> to, <laughs> to live golf. Um, obviously, we'll see if they are allowed to play or not. And even if they are, it might be a story of well, do you want them anyway? But Three and a half points for Molinari, probably beating the strongest uh, GB in Ireland player, or G, uh, GB and I rather, uh, player in Shane Lowry. Um, yeah, let's just hope for a big year for Francesco because it would be such a shame not to have an Italian on this team. Yeah. But I think there's a great chance to get two with Guido Migliazzi yeah. also playing well. He went undefeated. Victor Perez went undefeated. I don't think you can rule him out. And then another huge plus for Donald is how well Nikolai Hoygaard played. Three and a half points. Hoygaard and Migliozzi, for me, are like, if I'm looking at this as an American of who do I not want on the team, the last thing I want is Hoygaard and Migliozzi like f- f- kind of living up to the hype, finding some serious form this year, and forcing Luke Donald to keep a Justin Rose, a Francesco Molinari at home. Because... What I've seen a lot, you know, from the American perspective is once we said goodbye to Tiger, Phil, you know, Keegan Bradley got the young guys in, it completely changed, you know, the team. And it's not like Team Europe's never had a problem with morale or camaraderie on the team, but it does feel like they're in a transitional period and the the longer that they have to hold on to Rose, Molinari, uh, Poulter before he jumped to live it was better news for Team USA and we don't want to see these kind of young Europeans uh, coming into form and living up to their hype uh, Tough scene for Alex Norn on the <laughs> final day getting beaten 5-3 by Robert McIntyre I think Alex Norn, I don't think I mentioned him last week I think he's in the exact same boat as Francesco Molinari is he has a real good opportunity to be one of the more experienced guys on the team if he gets a bit of form Coming into the season, he he had a pretty good end of the season last year. Um, but I think it's going to be fascinating when we get onto the European tour. Uh, the, let's be honest, the, mostly from now until May time, there's not a whole lot on the yeah. uh, European tour besides the HSBC Championship next week and the Dubai Desert Classic 
uh, the week after. But when we get into the May, June swing of national opens, you got the Italian Open there, Belgian Open, Dutch Open, Porsche European Open. It will be fascinating to see the guys like Adrian Moronk, Thomas Dietrich, Thomas Peters really fighting for those those last few spots on the team. And there could be as many as four or five uh, spots available for a good 10, 12 players to be fighting for. So um, it's going to be a real dogfight over the summer to see who can who can stake their claim. And what makes it even more interesting is that we, as again, we touched on it last week, Donald's got six picks now. Mm-hmm. It used to be three, it's now six. So the, the rankings only do so much. Um, so you really got to win or play well and show that you're you're ready for the for the call up. Yeah. No, there's not going to be any uh, fluffing your way onto a European Ryder Cup team this year. Um I will say the Hero the Hero Championship, Hero Cup, is it? The Hero yeah. Cup. Would love to see I love the idea of it. I like the premise of it. Would love to see guys like Rory and Rom and, and Hovland get involved. I don't know how realistic it is with their super busy schedules coming up. Um, but if the if the DP World Tour can find a way to get those guys in, I mean, what a success this could turn into. Unlikely, but just, yeah. a, just I have, a hope. I have to say, I'm glad to see Seth Stracker play because he's a guy who's pretty much based himself yeah. in America for the foreseeable yeah. or, or for, the, for a long time now. And see him coming over to Europe stakes his claim for him really being wanting to be part of this Ryder Cup team. I think if it was last year, I think he probably would have been on the team. Mm. So he's he's another guy that can certainly play, play his way on. Definitely. Uh, will be the DP World Tour, you know, the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship this coming week is going to be pretty fascinating with the live guys involved, you know, Westwood, uh, Stenson. Uh, Ex-Ryder Cup captain, <laughs> Henrik Stenson. Yeah, for a very brief time. Even the American, you know, uh, live guys, Patrick Reed's playing, I uh, think. I think maybe they're all playing. Uh, I'm just kind of scrolling through. Well, they're this. desperate for world ranking points, yeah, aren't they? And a huge paycheck, uh, you know, to just appear at this thing and a pretty big purse. Uh, but, you know, it's, I don't want to say fun, but I don't know. There is something to waking up, watching this kind of weird desert experience with the golf and these guys playing for a lot of money and a field that you don't get to see too often, you know, on the, the main stage with the, the DP World Tour guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to it uh, in a sense. It's going to be hard to manage, like you said, with the NFL playoffs and uh, the Express. But mentioning the live guys, a report in the uh, Daily Telegraph this week, uh, sorry, Connor, I don't have it up in front of me. Who's the journalist? James that? Corrigan. James broke Corrigan. The news. Yeah, broke the news that Mito Pereira was headed there. You alluded to we thought he was going to go to live. Uh, and then this report broke that he is probably going. Um, tough loss for the PGA Tour. I think Mito's a, a young guy that has a lot of talent and projection. Tough loss for Team International on the uh, President's Cup front. But, you know. Nothing backbreaking about Mito Pereira leaving. You know, do you, Connor, do you expect that these are the type of guys that Liv's going to go after now? Are they like kind of settling for these these Mito Pereira types that if they can't, you know, get maybe some of the big, big names that they wanted with like a Xander Schauffele or Patrick Cantlay? Is this kind of the guys that we can expect them plucking off into the, the near future at least? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say, isn't it? Um seems the South American guys don't have the same loyalty attached to the PGA Tour as a lot of the Americans would have. Um, I don't think 
nothing wrong with that really. Mm-hmm. But um, look, every player has his price. Yeah. And I think at the moment, Livestock has just been gradually dipping, a bit like crypto. Um, and I think they could get desperate and just splash the cash. Yeah. One of the big guys. Um, Patrick Cantley said that sort of cooling the talk about him and uh, him especially, but him and Xander were rumored to be going. Um, seems like that's gone a bit cold now, but I think of Cantley as one of those guys where, especially if you got the two of them, Xander and um, Cantley, it feels like those, that's the type of player that live golf bosses would be like, okay, we need a splash here. Yeah. And they, up, they offer... Uh, Money's not an issue for them. No. They didn't make this league to, to make profit. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, we touched on the last episode that the the live things seemed dead in the water in February when DJ and Bryce came out and said they weren't joining, they're committed to the PGA Tour, and then buying three months later, they're playing in London yeah. for, for live. So uh, it's certainly watched this space, but it's hard not to argue that live has certainly lost a bit of its momentum coming into this year. And I think what you mentioned about the South American guys is a very interesting point in just the context of if the President's Cup had was closer to the Ryder Cup in the terms of prestige and history and like, you know, just overall lore from a golfer and a fan perspective, maybe it'd be tougher for these guys to jump and lose the opportunity to play in the President's Cup. But it just isn't, you know, and there's something that there I think there is something to be said for you know, guys have made the decision to leave and not be able to compete in the Ryder Cup as of this recording. Um, but I think a lot of guys are staying because they want to compete in a Ryder Cup. They want the opportunity to, you know, play for their continent slash country and that it really appeals to them. And uh, as long as that's a, you know, your status on live or the PGA Tour is a deciding factor in whether you can play in a Ryder Cup, I think that will affect some guys decisions uh as far as the president's cup goes i can see why maybe it doesn't have that same impact you know uh, one one last thing on the and i'm gonna bring the netflix thing into it because firstly i'm very excited for it but mm-hmm. on the medo Pereira front you know they followed him the week of the the pga championship yeah. so i think that will be an extremely interesting episode i think they have of the top five players on that leaderboard i think they were personally following four of them so that'll be a fascinating episode, but it wouldn't surprise me in this upcoming doc for the live players to sort of light themselves on fire a bit. I don't think they're going to come across very well. Um, the, the show is independent from the PGA Tour. They don't have editing rights at all, but I think the whole live thing, I think the doc's going to make the, the rebels look a bit, look a bit self-indulged. It'll be really interesting to see what narrative the documentary goes with because, you know, I think Liv has been painted as the bad guy by a lot of people in and around golf. And the in a, woke media. In a lot of ways, <laughs> rightfully so, though, right? Look yeah. at the money that you're, you're, who you're taking it from. You know, nobody ever loves someone that is playing for just money. We like to think these guys are playing for the heart and the, the passion of the game. Uh, but 
this is not this is a like you said a third party someone that's not connected really to either tour of course they had to have a, build a relationship with the PGA tour on some fronts to get the access and everything like that but they could go in whatever direction they want I have to imagine they're going to not side with live golf but it'll be interesting how the do they choose to paint these guys as villains you know complete villains or you know kind of shed light on their story and try and uh, maybe play devil's advocate on some fronts but very excited I've watched the first two episodes of uh, Breakpoint the tennis series that came out Friday oh, is uh, it? the Kyrgios uh, they, they their first episode followed Nick Kyrgios at the Australian Open which was really really good um, completely forgot he was the doubles champion of the last Australian Open uh, so that was a good reminder bummer that I think he had to withdraw today yeah so uh, but Really good stuff, the first two episodes. I'm excited okay. to uh, to watch the rest. So I think we'll close on that, Connor. Uh, next week's the American Express at La Quinta at Pete Dye Stadium course. I love a Pete Dye course. There will be some beautiful and challenging par threes out there. I know I think that's the course with the the rocks and the the par three. Yeah, uh, some chaos there. Yeah, some, some balls always bouncing off the rocks and into the water. We'll hopefully see some. Huge scores on that hole. Um, uh, and what I think is good for me next week, but also bad as I have an exam on Monday, <laughs> I think the 49ers are going to be the late game in the Sunday playoffs. They are. Oh, I'm nervous. I'm <laughs> even thinking about it. And, Give me the uh, Cowboys. Uh, yeah, Cowboys, Bucks tonight. So uh, the winner gets Connor's 49ers. And uh, I've been telling people all year to watch out for the Cowboys, but and I don't know if I actually believe it anymore, but my uh, – <laughs> My uh, year-long parade is stinky. Uh, Doc loves yeah, throwing interceptions. Officially on the line tonight and <laughs> next week if they win against San Francisco. So, but appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week on Monday to recap the Am Express. Connor, thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure, buddy. Good luck to your 49ers, and we'll talk to all you guys soon.